police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Grinding True Crime. This is a special episode with your host, Todd Fox. Maddie Matt and Gabby are not here, they're on vacation. It is the day after Thanksgiving. This is obviously Grinding True Crime, but it is a special episode because I decided to bring my daughter on board to uh, follow up with the show and be the co-host as we're just trying to bring some content out there because it's been a crazy, crazy month or crazy couple months. And then, uh, you know, we've been on and off on vacation or work or stuff like that. So we're trying to bring you some content and we're going to bring you a little lighted, uh, lighthearted episode this time. So hopefully you guys enjoy. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on all social medias by just basically typing in Grinding True Crime. You'll find us there on Spotify and everything. We encourage you guys, please, to give us a five-star rating. We really would appreciate that. That helps us a lot. So if you guys can do that. And check out the merch at redbubble.com. Just type in Todd Fox 80 and that's how you can find uh, anything grinding true crime if you want to get any kind of uh, shirts, mugs, any anything, keychains, whatever. If, just check out the designs. They're pretty cool. Uh, you can also uh, find us on, on different sites that will uh, I don't have the list here with me. Usually Gabby does that. So uh, you'll have to look into that. But you can find us anywhere. You just type in Grinding True Crime. So Letitia, would you like to say hi to the audience? Hey, it's Letitia, his daughter. Uh, it's been a while on, on this podcast. Well, it's not just been a while. I think it's the first time you've been on the crime podcast. I had her on another podcast that I would do that we talk about other stuff. So that's that's a story for another day. But she's going to give reactions on this one. Uh, she doesn't know the story, obviously. She's barely into true crime. She follows it a little bit. So I was just trying to get her to get on here and give let, – let's, let's hear what she could uh, offer to the show. So hopefully she does good. Right, Letty? Yeah. <laughs> Don't say too much now. <laughs> Let's see. There she goes. All right. Here we go. Um, so this story today is about Elmer McCurdy. Elmer McCurdy. Does that name sound familiar to you at all? Not at all. Not at all? Okay. This guy was a little before our time. So let's let's start it out like this. Elmer McCurdy was born January 1st, 1880. A little before our time? A little before our time, yes. Um, uh, he, was, uh, he was born to an unwed mother uh, who was 17 years old by the name of Sadie McCurdy. So <clears throat> being at the 1800s, that was not looked good upon, uh, you know, having a chid, a, 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 chid, a kid out of wedlock. So um, she wound up giving Elmer uh, at the age of 17 to her brother, who was in his mid-20s and who was already married. So they just assumed that they had the child. So that's how that worked back then. Nice. Yeah. So um, the brother would raise Elmer until 10 years later, unfortunately, because people back then did not live very long. Um, her brother died uh, when Elmer was just 10 years old. So at a crucial age, Elmer had no father. And his wife uh, basically moved on and uh, or... or continue to watch Elmer but very sparingly moved on with her life but really wasn't watching Elmer because that wasn't really her kid so uh, when Elmer was 17 
get this, Letty. He was told that his aunt, who was now 34 at the time, was really his mother, and his mother was really his aunt. So you get that? I've seen that in movies, yeah. Yeah, so Elmer did not take this uh, very well. Uh, He began to lash out, get into fights, be very disruptive. Um, Again, he's an only child. Uh, He would uh, begin drinking at the age of 18, heavy, you know, like back then like whiskey rum all that kind of stuff so this kid's not starting out good is he he began to get oddball jobs like a plumber apprentice bricklayer uh, basically anything manual labor even shoveling cow crap at one point but the the economy took a real downturn uh in in night around 19 1900s 1910 around there and uh, he just was not able to get a steady paying job. So um, he's struggling at this point and tragic hits, uh, tra- tragedy hits again at the age of 21 when his mom dies of a ruptured ulcer. Oh man, that sucks. Sure does because I mean, anytime you lose a parent that young, I mean, you can't, you can't really be headed in the right direction, right? No, you don't have that example to lead you in the right direction. Yeah, well said, because, I mean, if you don't have that example, you know, you're not going to get far. So Elmer tries to get back into the workforce, and he's bouncing around from job to job, trade to trade, still, again, not catching any kind of job or, or catching on to a job and staying on to a job. And when he actually does, you know what he does to screw it up? What? He actually drinks way too much to where he's either too hungover to come into work or he's working drunk. So he couldn't sober up? He just went into work drunk? That's right. He just went in no matter what, drunk, or he just couldn't get up. He was always hungover. So this, so with this came one of his first arrests, and that was in the year 1905. Uh, his drinking would get more and more out of control to where he got arrested for the first time for public intoxication. And what do you think he got uh, arrested for? Well, obviously he got arrested for public intoxication, but what do you think he was doing while intoxicated? Was he working? No, he wasn't working. He was just out and about. What do you think he was doing in public? Probably sexually assaulting other people or causing um, issues. Or disturbance? Yeah, disturbance. Well, yeah. indecency, maybe. Dude, bingo, you got it. He oh. he had his wang out, and he was, Ew. yeah, he was showing people and also urinating in public and yelling at people at the same time. So he got arrested for that. He sounds fun. Yeah, fun guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so without any job and a complete failure at this point at, in the year 1907, this is a year after your great-grandpa was born, my grandpa. He was born in 1906, but that's a story for another day. But he was born uh, or in 1907, sorry. Um, he was uh, still not getting anything done. He decided to join the United States Army, which a lot of people at the time, and even to this day, when they're not able to find a job and they, they can't get a career going, the U.S. Army usually offers all that and some sort of, sort of stability if you're willing to go through all the basic training and, you know, become a, a an army veteran or a navy so what did he end up doing in the army so he became a machine gun specialist and he also started working with working with nitroglycerine which do you know what that is not a clue 
Okay, that is a liquid, uh, li like a liquid bomb. It's like a gel, and you like place it over something. You can ignite it, and it blows up. It's it's it could be at times stronger than dynamite. So it's a it's a very uh, aggressive type bomb, or or you know discharge of of a of a weapon that you can use at that uh, particular time. So despite this. And everything that he's learned for the three years that he's been in the military and the army, he's honorably discharged. This will be like the highlight of his life because this is the one time he's sobered up. He's he's done what's, you know, he doesn't have kids or nothing. He doesn't have a lineage, doesn't have a wife. So this is the best thing he's done to this point, you know, despite everything. So do you think it goes anywhere good? Does it, does it continue or do you think it goes bad from here? Well, I guess it goes bad from here because he did say this was a kind of a funny story. So probably going to go bad in a lighthearted way kind of in a lighthearted way it just depends on what you define as lighthearted so we're going to get true. yeah we're going to get into some stuff here so here's where things change so in 19 uh, uh late 1910 he's arrested for stealing things from a hardware store such as uh hacksaws chisels and you know those things chisels that you 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 in those movies how uh, they have the metal bars there and you're trying to file down the metal bar to escape from jail those type of chisels and and you know or files and then they also he he was trying to steal some nitroglycerin so he was arrested and they found all this thing these things on his person but the judge and jury found him not guilty so he gets a break in in 1911 so do you think he learns his lesson and does not go back to crime i don't think so you may be right, because he began to run with a crew of outlaws. And this is where his outlaw life began in 1911. Now, he's probably still thinking he's an outlaw from the late 1800s, 1870s, 80s, where it was the Wild West. But remember, the, the America was modernizing itself at this time and becoming a different, kind of pulling away from that Western lifestyle, Old West lifestyle. But that didn't deter him because one day... In 1911, he decided with that crew to rob a Missouri Pacific mail train. Everything went right to the point to where they stopped the train with a barrier on the tracks to a complete stop. And they and the two guys uh, were able to hold the uh, conductor and all the people on the train at gunpoint outside the train. While McCurdy took the safe outside of the train uh, about a good 50, uh, 50 to 20 yards away. And he began to put nitroglycerin all over the safe to then blow the door so that he could get the money, obviously. That's what they were there for, was to break the safe, right? Yeah. Do you think it went well? No. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, exploding it would cause like the money to burn and stuff. And you said that they were on the train, right? Well, they took it off the train. Oh, um... But yeah, I don't think this went well. Like he, either he or probably some of his members got hurt, uh, or, or yeah, the money burning and stuff for exploding, ripping apart. You know, you're absolutely correct because what happens is the bungling idiots again. You're not supposed to use too much nitroglycerin. He used a, a lot, and it basically blew the entire. Instead of blowing the safe door off, it blew the whole damn thing up to where the safe was filled with money but the money was like you said rendered useless it was torn to bits blown up 
and the only thing that they were able to recover was $450 worth of silver coins, which were either metal uh, were melted down or cracked in half because of the explosion. So it was basically just some silver that they were able to uh, get. So a crime of stupidity, basically. Basically. So, so again, <clears throat> now we fast forward a little later in 1911. McCurdy tried it again, and he recruited two more guys to go to Citizens Bank in Kansas City. Uh, this is overnight. Now, follow me on this one. They're trying to break into a bank at nighttime, two, three in the morning, right? Yeah. And they're actually hammering through a brick wall. How it does not wake up the townspeople, I don't know. But they had a lookout guy, and he reported nobody was coming. No lights were turning on or, or candles or whatever. Nobody was waking up, and the town was still quiet, despite them making the noise breaking into the bank. So an actual hammer, or were they using like an axe or something? Because a, 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 just a hammer is not going to get through a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, like it doesn't specify. I know there wasn't. I mean, there might it might have been sort of like a jackhammer, but I don't know if those existed back then, or it was some sort of tool to where they could make a hole big enough to crawl through. Probably an axe, then. Yeah. A pickaxe or something, right? Yeah. So, something, right? You're, you're right. You're right. Uh, but it doesn't specify. But that's all that, that's said. But anyway. <clears throat> Two of the, the two of the men break inside, which is one of them's McCurdy. There's a door that leads towards the bank vault, and they have to blow that door off first to get to the vault, right? So McCurdy again, instead of using dynamite or something like that, he puts nitroglycerin all over the door. The explosion is so loud and so strong, it blows the door off of its foundation and it goes through the bank, nearly hitting one of the robbers and causing a tremendous amount of damage inside the bank and all the windows get blown out at the bank and across the street at the other building. So with all that noise being made, McCurdy grabs some nit nitroglycerin, runs to the vault, puts it all over the door, and then proceeds to hunker down again and with the other guy to avoid any kind of blast or shrapnel, right? When they make the, the, the explosion goes off, again... <laughs> nothing happens it's a louder explosion but the bank vault is still intact what is it made out of like just metal or i forget the the material that the bank vaults are made out of, but they were made pretty decent back then just like they are today but anyway with that being said the explosion was even stronger than the first one the lookout guy who was basically a teenager he's he took off he ran he's like screw this i'm done mm -hmm. so he runs and leaves McCurdy and the other guy there. The only thing they're able to recoup is $150 worth of silver coins again that are sitting on the teller's uh, desk. They could not get into the vault, get any cash whatsoever. Was that $150 also kind of broken and slashed into? No, that, that was unaffected because it was on the teller's desk. Oh, okay. Yeah. So another failure, right? Two for two. They, they can't do anything right. Uh, so only getting $150, you know, McCurdy's not a brilliant guy, but he's determined to be a famous outlaw. Like he wants to be known. Uh, yeah. He wants to be known. He, he looks up to guys like Billy, the kid and other famous outlaws back in the day. Oh, okay. So like Billy, the kid and like, uh, that, that one famous couple, um, 
Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, they weren't. Well, Bonnie and Clyde were later. Oh, okay. But but I'm saying like, but like you had a lot of old Western guys that were like famous for robbery shootings and getting into gunfights with policemen or sheriffs or whatnot. Yeah. And he wanted to be one of those guys. But he, I think he came along too late, and then plus he was kind of stupid. So, in one day in 1911, in April of 1911 to be exact, um, he heard that there was a train headed to Oklahoma. Now, this train was headed to the Indian village of Osage. The government had awarded the Osage Indians over $400,000 in royalties for land that they abused that was Indian territory or the people that they had abused over the years in the past. So this is part of the treaty and land that was given to the Osage Indians. So that $400,000 back in the day was the equivalent of $40 million today. Holy crap. Yes. So that was on one train headed for Oklahoma, right? $40 million on one train. Yeah, or $400,000. Oh. Yeah, but it's the equivalent of $40 million today. Mm-hmm. So it was headed. It was headed to Osage, Oklahoma, and they were in Missouri, and and Elmer got wind that the train was coming. So hey, let's rob this train. We're gonna become rich and famous. Like no matter what, we're gonna be one of the biggest outlaw. This is one of be, gonna be one of the biggest outlaw robberies of all time. So he's pumped up. He's got three other guys together, and they're they're gonna do this. They're locked and loaded, right? Adjust to screw it up again, I'm guessing. are correct, actually. <laughs> because Elmer McCurdy uh, would rob the wrong train. So Stupid. Yeah. He, he, they're sitting up on the, the hill. It's like a movie. They come down. They ambush the train. They, they hold everybody at gunpoint. Everyone's, like, hyped up because they got them. And, and, but then there's something that's weird. This is supposed to be a mail train. Why are there so many people on it? Because they robbed the wrong train. It was a passenger train. And out of all the things that they were able to get, they didn't get $400,000 worth of money because it was the wrong train. So did did they rob the people on there? They robbed the people on there. And get this, they got a total of $46. Wow, big money. (laughs) They got the conductor's watch. Oh. And they got two pints of whiskey. (laughs) And two revolvers guns yeah millionaires uh. right so yeah they just came a little short of that four hundred thousand. so dejected by this the group broke up and he decided to just go to a to one of the robbers house he didn't have anywhere to live he was banking on all this money instead he winds up spending the next couple days drinking the whiskey that he stole from the train in a hay shed in the back of this dude's barn in the farthest part of his uh, farm. Uh-huh. So he's in the hay shed. Now the sheriffs did not take kindly to another train being robbed. So they got a posse together and they decided to track down the robbers. They found the robber who owned the barn and the house and they arrested him. He then said that Elmer was out in the back with the hay, you know, getting drunk. Yeah. Now back in the day, Tuberculosis was something that killed millions, right? Elmer had to had just gotten tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't feeling too good. So they waited overnight to ambush him. They surrounded the barn. When he's, he got up, he saw the police and immediately started firing at 7 a.m. in the morning. 
He didn't hit any of them, but they exchanged gunfire for 45 minutes till basically it stopped. And they told him to surrender, but they didn't hear nothing. 20 minutes went by, they still didn't hear nothing. So they decided to go into the barn and get a hold of his bot uh, to, to see if he's alive or not. And they get in there and they find Elmer McCurdy dead with three gunshot wounds, one the fatal in the chest. So he's dead at the age of 31. Wow, he led a great life. Right? Well, here's the thing. The story's not over. Oh, interesting. Okay. What, did he have a son or something? No, remember he had no kids. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he's dead at the age of 31, and that's not the best story of his life, although he's dead. Okay, I'm listening. Okay, so follow me on this one. Let's find out. His body was taken to the morgue, or the funeral parlor, and the funeral parlor was owned by the name uh, by, by the uh, by an undertaker by the name of Joseph Johnson, and um, he was in charge of doing autopsies to the bodies or whatever. He decided because there was about a few days that went by, nobody claimed the body. Remember, everyone in Elmer's family Family was dead yeah they died Mm -hmm. so nobody claimed the body no one's gonna pay for the funeral so you would think they would take his body and they would put it in a grave just leave a little plaque say elmer mccurdy dead at the age of 31 uh, 1911 they decide not to do that okay or he decides not to do that instead he makes a chemical concoction along with arsenic and embalming fluid and injects it all into Elmer's body to where Elmer's body is literally stiff and is mummified. Okay. As he's still there. Like like the hair, the body, everything, he's just he's mummified. What to make him his body last longer or Yes. Okay. And last long it does. Uh as an experiment, uh, he would stand up Elmer's body because it, it, it literally standed erect, and he and Elmer was about six feet. He put him in the be, in the opening part of his parlor, of his funeral parlor, as you walk in. Okay. He would charge five cents for people to look at Elmer's body. Ew. Yeah, five, five cents. <laughs> I mean, I know five cents was also a lot back then. Mm-hmm. But he's basically using him as a sideshow. Yeah. And that sucks, right? Instead of resting in peace. And you could tell that a lot of these people, like back in the day, or or even guys that work with dead bodies or women, they kind of get, they take the human aspect out of it, and it be, it does look like a prop or something out of it for their job. So they don't take it too serious, or some people don't respect bodies, you know? Yeah, respect for the dead. Yeah. Well, you're probably too young for this, but... Do you, uh, have you ever heard of a movie called Weekend at Bernie's? I've heard of it. I've just never seen it. Okay. It's about two guys that parade their boss around who dies and they have, and they, they stay at his house and they're able to enjoy all his money and his things because they pretend he's still alive. They put sunglasses on him. They dress him up. They'll sit right next to him. They move his arms as if he's talking or stuff like that Uh or, or, or still moving, but he's really dead. This is Elmer McCurdy in a nutshell is Weekend at Bernie's. Because basically, the 
what happens i mean it's bad enough joseph johnson's parading him around like at his funeral parlor as a prop and getting paid to do it guess what his kids growing up around dead bodies they don't care for dead bodies as humans so guess what they do with elmer since he's already standing up he's already a prop he's not gonna bend down he's not gonna fall over do you know what they do with his body they play with his body oh yeah oh yeah they put roller skates on his feet that's so disturbing (laughs) and they they pull pranks on their friends in the neighborhood by chasing them as they hold elmer mccurdy's body and push him down the street how traumatizing (laughs) so yeah so the body is uh is used as a prank for the kids so they're desecrating this guy's body over and over and uh touching it and stuff yeah, and, and just by not putting him in the ground. But his body's not rotting at a rapid rate like a normal body would. This It's very, very, very slow because he's he's mummified. Yeah. So it gets worse. So just a few weeks later after the kids play with him and, and you know, he's still being propped up and used as a, as a, you know, as a mannequin, but he's a real freaking body. A guy comes in. And, and, and by the name of James McCurdy, supposedly, saying, I'm Elmer McCurdy's brother. And he's pissed off and he's yelling at the guy saying, how could you do this to my brother? He should be in the ground. You're desecrating his body. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes and he runs over to the city hall and the local officials. And they come over to Joseph Johnson and they say, you got to release the body to, 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 El- to Elmer's brother and let him give him a proper burial. Right? Yeah. End of story, right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Ten weeks later, Elmer's Elmer's body would be in South Texas at a carnival. What? How? <laughs> Let me guess. James supposedly was his brother, but wasn't, and then used him to make more money at the carnival. Exactly. Okay. So he decided he's like, "Hey, wait a minute! That dude's making five cents off that dude's body for people looking at him. I bet you I can make more." And so he takes him to his carnival and says, "Step right up, everybody! Look at an outlaw from the west." And <laughs> literally a dead body it's a a real dead body (laughs) and he's called now the oklahoma bandit as he goes from one carnival city to the next and how long did this last before his body really started to desecrate oh it's 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 decaying but at a very slow rate and we'll get into how it decays over the years okay so he's going from carnival thing to carnival uh you know he's he's been dead for years at this point Uh, He's actually in the late 1920s. He's surrounded by a few legends that had the same things done to their bodies. Like Billy the Kid was paraded. Not a lot of people know this. Was paraded from town to town shown off as, oh, look at one of the baddest outlaws in the West. Well, McCurdy was one of those guys that was on tour going all around the United States being shown off as one of the outlaws from the 1800s. Okay. Although he was 1900s. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> he goes from state to state. They're making up lies as he's a great Oklahoman, you know, gunslinger. But he's not. He was pretty much a, you know, weakling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this would continue to the early 1960s. So his, <laughs> if you do the math. His body was decaying for 40 years. 49 years. 49 years. Holy crap. And he's still being paraded around. Now, Billy the Kid and the other bodies were buried in the late 20s, I believe. Uh-huh. So they, they were given proper burials, even though they still were out 
in, in caskets and whatnot. McCurdy continued. Mm-hmm. He even went to a few wax museums where in the uh, in the 1960s, his mouth was propped open and he was at the beginning of a wax museum in Los Angeles to where people thought it was funny to take their ticket stubs and put it into his mouth or rare coins and put it into his mouth. Ew. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so his throat was getting clogged up with ticket stubs. Some people. Well, I mean, a lot of them didn't know that that was real. I mean, think about it. You're going to a wax museum. You think it's a wax? Yeah, that's a real body sitting right there. So now we fast forward a few years later. It's late 1960s. He was sold to a park employee at the park uh, at the Pike uh, amusement park in Long Beach. The Long Beach Pike. This is what takes it to us, which your grandpa and your grandma. I'll get into why they pop into this story. And this is where I first heard this story from. Wait, your parents or your grandparents? My parents. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nona and Grandpa. But, you know, we, we go down to Shoreline Village all the time, right? Yeah. And that's where the assembly hall is, that big arena. Yeah. That's where that amusement park was. The Pike was in that area. So it was in a, it was in a huge area in, in Long Beach. It's off Shoreline Drive, right? Wait, now, isn't the Pike still there, though? No, they have that fake roller coaster. Like, they have, like, a drawing of the roller coaster, what it used to look like. Remember over the road? Well, yes, I do remember that. But I know that there's a Long Beach Pike somewhere, though. I've been It's there. called the Pike Steel, but yeah. it's just all restaurants. Okay. It used, to be, it used to be a huge amusement park. It was there before Disneyland. And it was really popular in the 40s, 50s. 60s, it started decaying in the 70s. Disneyland was kicking its butt at that point. Uh-huh. But anyway, I digress. That park was, was really good. It was uh, my mom and dad used to go there as kids. Okay. So your grandma and grandpa used to go there as kids. Now, how this all ties in together is <laughs> they used to go on, because they used to go on this, uh, this ride called, uh, uh, what is it, Laugh in the Dark Funhouse. Which is sort of like if you've like gone... Haunted Mansion? Yeah, if you've gone to the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, you sit in these little carriages, they're on a, like a little track, and it goes through, and then things, you know, things pop out, you know, like at you, whatever. Don't tell me a dead body pops out at these people, right? Elmer McCurdy was... He was... <laughs> he was at one of the entryways to the hallway to where it gets really dark, uh-huh. and he's sort of like propped up against the wall, and he kind of comes out at you, as the car comes by and how they how they hold him in place is they drilled holes into his feet okay. and 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 put rods through them uh-huh. and then they drilled a hole into his neck and put a rod into that so when the car hits a certain spot it triggers a thing to where those rods move and his body jiggles on the upper part and the downer part and <laughs> Yeah, so his body moved, and mom and dad would tell me as a you know when they found out about the story happening later. They told me growing up that they it freaked them out always because that body looked too real. Now yeah. at this point, they they spray painted his face uh-huh. like red, so uh-huh. they made him like a demon type character. Uh-huh. And but my mom and dad always said, I swear that that demon looked real. Yeah. And so, so they said they told me the story about what happened later, and we'll get to that. But he wound up being in that funhouse for four years. Oh so four, gosh. so four more years. 
you know, if I believed in ghosts, I, I'd probably be scared for the people that um, did that to his body. Yep, yep. But since I don't, I didn't really care. <laughs> so, so here, here's the thing about this, and it just, it just gets more, more crazy. Um, so, he, so being there for four years, there's a show that was popular in the '70s called The Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. He was in the fight scene, like in the in the in the show called Funhouse. In one of the episodes, you could see his body prevalent right there in the background. Like they didn't even, they didn't think twice of it. To crop it out or anything? No, no. They they knew they didn't know it was a real body. But I'm saying you can go back and watch the episode, and he's there. Elmer McCurdy's there in the background. Oh my god! Yeah. So they filmed that, right? So then, so then it was a couple weeks later, another film crew for a movie came in there to film a, a, a spot, and McCurdy's body now was was still painted red, uh-huh. but what they did was they put a noose around its neck. Mm-hmm. And it would still wiggle the same way, but it would be kind of over the car as you go underneath it now. And so the film crew was like, you know what? I don't like that body over the cart. Okay. Let's pull it down. As they pulled it down, the guy goes to tug on the arm uh-huh. and it comes right off. Oh. And there's this yellow gel that comes out of it. Oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the infection. Yeah. 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 And the arsenic and all the chemicals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they look into the arm, and there's a bone. And so right away, these guys call the cops. Uh huh. So the police, the LAPD, comes down there, and they they take the body, and they realize, they take it to the autopsy. the The autopsy people are blown away at the coroner because they're like, "Damn, this body's old. You know, there's bullets from the nineteen early nineteen hundreds." in the body still yeah and then they realize the chemicals they realize that this man is freaking ancient so the guy that originally mummified him was he still alive at this point oh no he's long dead because okay. remember he's he's probably like because remember he has kids he's like in his 40s and that's like 1911 oh, so yeah, yeah he's, he was he, dead yeah, he's like dead by then 20 30 years yeah prior okay so when they did the autopsy too his eyeballs were actually you know were gone um, oh my gosh! Yeah, part of it. Part of his ears were missing. Uh, his toes and his uh, fingertips were gone, and because uh, they were like stubs, they had been blown off or, or you know abused over the years. People picking at it or whatever, they just fell off. Uh, he had no hair on his body, and he had a lot of acrylic paint on his body, also keeping him together, covering up any kind of dead skin looking. You know how you see like a mummy from Egypt. You yeah. know, you can see their dead skin, but he had paint. So that was covering all the dead skin and everything else like that. Um, so, yeah, they, they decided to trace the museum. They, the LAPD investigated and were trying to see who this guy was. They were trying to get a name to him because they're like, obviously, this guy needs to get buried. Yeah. And, and they're trying to they obviously know, you know, they want to find out how he died. Because obviously it was gunshots. It was a long time ago. Well, they went to the museum. They actually had a transcript and the the name of Elmer McCurdy. They were able to figure out that he was shot and killed. They went to the sheriff's department that still had records of what had happened. And they traced it back to him being an outlaw from way back then. And so when the story got out, uh, this, this uh, funeral home in Oklahoma wanted to give him a proper burial and so they did they got the body and they took it to Oklahoma 
and they wound up uh, burying him next to Bill Doolin, who was a famous gunfighter back in the day in the cowboy times. And he, his body, too, was on parade with Billy the Kid and him at one point all together. So they were able to put his body to rest at one point in the 1950s. Yeah. And then they were able to bring McCurdy over there in 1977 to finally be laid to rest. So he spent more time dead above ground than he did above ground alive. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I have a pretty big imagination, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to dream about this later. Uh, that's very traumatizing. I mean, so when... Uh, so when Nona was like, oh, this this dead body looked too real, and you already said that the eyes were missing. Mm-hmm. Were the eyes missing when they were using him to be like a jump scare? Yes. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, I think they were long gone because I don't think you can preserve the eyes. I think the eyes are always gone because you look at a mummy and they, they never have the eyes. That's but, true. But mom, mom would tell me that when, they, when she would ride that ride, that was the part that freaked her out the most when they'd get into that area. The same thing with my dad. And they never went together. It's not like they were dating. They were younger uh, at that time where I think, wait, 70, no. If yeah. It was in the 60s. They were, they were probably in their 20s already. Yeah, I, I don't think they were dating yet, but they had gone at different times. And they both had the same story, though. They were like, every time we went on the ride, that was the scariest part of the ride. Was that dead body. Yeah. And so, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post a picture of what Elmer looked like, and then I'm also going to put the one up of his body on display, and then I'm going to put the post up of the Pike and the Funhouse so that you guys can get an idea of what uh, what we were talking about here today. So pretty crazy story, huh? Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. So any final words on it? No, just a very traumatizing story. I mean, who, who would have thunk about, about all this? Yep, yep. So this is, she's, she's not a professional, but I just brought her on for a reaction. Yeah. And so thank you, Letty, for uh, for coming on. Uh, that's my daughter. And if again, I'll just re, uh, re-emphasize, if you could leave us a five-star, we'd really appreciate it. That helps us move up in the rankings. We're getting we're getting a lot of traction. We really appreciate the listenership from all over the world. Uh, we're getting a lot of positive feedback. Continue to message us. We always respond. So if you message us on any of our uh, social media platforms or if you go to our Facebook page, Grinding True Crime, you can hit us up there and leave us a message or a suggestion on an upcoming episode. We've got a um, dual parter that's going to be coming pretty soon. We're going to be doing two pro- prolific serial killers in great detail. So look, be on the lookout for that. And uh, that'll be coming pretty soon. And then I think Maddie Matt's got another story here coming up as well. So we got some things coming on, even though we've been quiet the last couple of weeks. So with that being said, you can catch us uh, on any of your podcast platforms by just typing in Grinding True Crime. So for Todd Fox and his daughter. Let- Letitia. <laughs> there you go. I almost forgot her name. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's nervous. You got to excuse her. But she did a good job, right? Yeah. All right, everyone have a good rest of your day, evening, night, 